Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Uh, I'll tell you, there's something about singing that makes my burden seem light. Isn't that true? So uh, thank you, Lord, for singing truths to you, about you, that encourages our hearts. Church, thank you for singing uh, to corporately and singing out to the Lord. Uh, do me a favor. We're going to pick up. We're, we're making our way through John. I told you it was going to be a while this summer, but we've really parked in um, this final teaching of Jesus to his disciples uh, in John. Well, we've been looking really at John chapter 13 all the way through 17. We started in chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, do me a favor, turn with me to John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 18. And uh, this week and next week, we'll be in John chapter 15. And then we're going to pick up in John 16. So we're moving along here. I love this section. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, inside of your bulletin is a handout, and uh, you can take that out and follow along with me. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, uh, do me a favor. Take that Bible in the chair in front of you and take that with you, okay? That's our gift to you from Coastal. We'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word. While you're kind of multitasking, getting ready for the sermon, I, I want to do three items of church business, okay? And they're important, so I hope you'll kind of listen up. Number one, uh, our student ministry got back safe last night, so thank you for your prayers, okay? And on top of safe travel, man, God did some really neat things and some of the stories I've heard in their hearts. And, uh, man, I, the older I get, the more I see the importance of our young people, you know, coming to grips with their faith in Christ and, and leading his church forward. And I'll tell you, God's really grooming and shaping a great group of generation, next generation leaders. So uh, good stuff happening there, okay? So that's number one. Number two, uh, in your bulletin, you'll notice, um, and uh, just kind of in August, we're going to be going to three church services, service times, okay? And we're doing that because in the fall, our, our attendance ramps up and we get 20 to 30% fuller than we are now, okay? And so and the only way that we can house that kind of attendance is to make sure that we have plenty of seating, parking, and children's space. And so uh, we're going to be going to three services. I've really wrestled with the service times because anytime you try to do three services before lunch, uh, something's got to give. There's no great great time to do three services. So in your bulletin, you'll notice on August 24th, okay, we're going to go to 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15. Those are going to be our three service times. Um, and, and that's kind of what we did at Easter. We kind of experimented with that. And there were some challenges there, but there were some good things there. So, so we're going to keep doing that. I do want you to know, church, it's kind of a uh, it's in a little bit of an experiment, okay? I may get to December and go, this isn't working, and here's why, so I hope you'll be flexible with us. You know, we want, want to make sure we have the best opportunity to reach our, our community uh, with the gospel of Christ, and, and part of that is, of course, service times, okay? But we have a couple needs that you need to know about for us to go. We had these needs anyway, uh, but for us to go to three services... Uh, we need some help, okay? We need some help in our first impressions teams. That's our ushers, our greeters, our parkers, coffee, connect center counter, all that. We need help there. Uh, but the area that we have the most need is in our children's ministry. And uh, Elena Rogers, our new children's director, is doing a phenomenal job. Actually, our children's ministry has grown by 30% since she's gotten here. Uh, and so with that growth, on top of having needs already and then going to, th uh, to three services, we have about 70 volunteers volunteer spots that we need to fill if we're going to be able to go to three services, okay? And so, I know that sounds like a lot, so I'm going to, I want to challenge especially the young parents, okay? So forgive me for this. I'm not trying to be mean, but I will tell you this. We do feel like if, if all the parents that drop off a child would donate one hour a month, okay, one service time in a month, not even the whole weekend of three services, just one of the service over the three on a Sunday, we think we'd cover all those slots. So, so parents on the way out, and even if you're not a parent, you go, gosh, I didn't know the children had needs. 
needs and you'd like to volunteer and there's some there's some spots that you can teach or some spots that we just want to make sure we have two in every classroom for security reasons. And you could be the second one that just hangs out, okay? Uh, but we have some spaces. So Elena's going to be in the foyer on the way out. I really want to encourage you to sign up for that ministry. That's number two, okay? Uh, number three, third announcement I want to make. I told you I had a lot of church business. Uh, you guys have been praying with me. I told you back in the spring that we're looking to do a campus. And I, I said the, the first step in that was me staffing us properly. And we had been looking for and praying for an executive pastor, and uh, God has led us to a person that we're going to call to be on our staff as executive pastor at Coast Community Church. This is Pastor Andrew Oates. I'm hopeful we have a picture. Oh, good. There. Uh, that's Pastor Andrew Oates, and uh, man, he come, I'm not going to give you all his resume. He becomes really highly recommended uh, from people in this body and people outside this body. He uh, has a lot of um, experience that we need. He's been a senior pastor, uh, and he's currently actually leaving a senior pastor where he's uh, he planted the church. He groom the pastor that he's handing the church off of. It's a really healthy transition. Uh, so he's got that kind of experience. He's actually been a campus pastor in one of the churches in America. It was one of the first churches doing campus ministry. So he's got that kind of experience. And he's also been an executive pastor. So uh, we're really blessed to have him. And so this is Pastor Andrew. This is his wife, Holly, uh, and their three kids, Hannah, Will, and Grace. And uh, and actually, he's expecting his fourth child. His wife is, actually. he does. He's not giving birth. His wife is. Um, so uh, and by the time they get here. So be in prayer for them. They're transitioning. There's a lot going on. We're hoping to have him here as early in August as we can. It'll probably be more like mid-August. And as soon as he kind of catches his breath, I'm going to let him preach so you guys can get to know him a little bit, okay? So uh, so really excited to have him on board. Thank you for your prayers and uh, and for that, okay? Good stuff, right, church? And uh, man, God's really doing some neat things, and uh, we're really excited about uh, making Jesus famous in our community and hope the overflow of that is global. Okay, so so uh, I saw this video this week. Okay, we're going to transition to the sermon now. Uh, thank you for your patience. I saw this video this week, and uh, I just really liked it. It really doesn't have any point with the sermon, but I like the video. That's not true. I'll tie it in here in a minute. Watch this video. This is Denver the Naughty Dog. All right, well, apparently while I was out, somebody got into the kitty cat treats. Now, I'm going to go look at the suspects. Suspect number one. Is it you, Macy? See your face. Did you do this? Did you? I don't think you did. Number two. What? Did you do this? Denver, did you do this? Denver, was this you? Denver, you won't look at me. Did you? What? Denver, did you do this? Look at me. Come here. Let me see. Let me see your face. Oh my goodness, Denver, you didn't. You did this? You got in the kitty cat's treats? While I was gone? I can't believe it. Are you sorry about it? 
okay. You know the routine. In the kennel. Go on. Very disappointed. You're in the penalty box. You let it happen. I hope you're happy too. I have no idea what that has to do with today's passage, but that sure is cute, isn't it? Uh, Denver the naughty dog. Um, not, actually, that's not true. I, I, prob- besides Denver's face, which is hilarious, um, I love how he yells at Macy, the other dog at the end, you know, like it was that dog's fault. And I, I titled, you know, I was thinking like this morning's passage a little bit about guilt by association, right? And, and Macy got guilty just for being there, uh, even though Denver did all the nasty stuff. So, uh, you know, and, and today we're going to ask the question, is Jesus serious about what he's saying? Or in a sense... Uh, guilty meaning uh, is the rest of the world going to think that we as followers of Christ are are crazy the way the world thought Jesus was crazy? Uh, Matthew, um, John chapter fifteen, Jesus said this to his disciples, and these are hard words for us as followers of Christ. If you're here this morning, you're a disciple of Christ. Guilty by association. Well, these are these are hard words to hear. If the world hates you, Jesus says, remember that it hated me first. Uh, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but, but you're no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it's going to hate you. Now, do you remember what I told you? A slave's not greater than his master, and since they persecuted me, guess what? Naturally, they're going to persecute you, and if they had listened to me, they would have listened to you. Let's do this. Let's open with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. I'll pray for those in this room that are believers. There's some in this room that are going through difficult times because they're a follower of Jesus Christ. They're feeling pressure. They're feeling challenges. Standing up for Jesus. Taking that name of a Christ follower upon them and it's presenting some challenges to them. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would give them strength and that we would draw some hope, and we would be mindful of the influences of the world upon our thinking, upon our hearts, and upon our minds, God. And we would remember that the world is one of the enemies of the faith, and that we would combat that with the truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing I want you to see here this morning is the world hates Jesus. Now let's talk about that for a minute, because Jesus said the world's actually going to hate me, so it's going to hate you. The world hates Jesus. Why does the world hate Jesus? Well, the first thing is, and Jesus makes this clear in his teaching here in John chapter 15, the world hates God. The the, the things of the world are not for the the kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms, if you will, that are opposed to one another. There's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil, and the kingdom of God. John chapter 15, verse 23 says, anyone who hates me also hates my what, church? What does it say? My father. See, Jesus here is this whole Trinitarian concept. Jesus is... is, closely, the relationship between him and his heavenly father, inseparable, okay? And he says, they're gonna, they hate me, so they also hate my father. The world's not naturally inclined to the things of God. Our hearts left to ourselves, apart from the holy work of the Holy Spirit and the person and work of Christ, we aren't naturally inclined to truth and righteousness and the character and the person of God himself. 
It's not our natural heart's desire. In fact, remember, we talked about this in John chapter 1, when, G, when the author of John, the Gospel of John, started this way. It says, Jesus, he came into the world that he created, but the world didn't even recognize him. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. And Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says, yes, they knew God, says Paul in Romans 1. They knew God, but guess what? They wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look more like people and birds and animals and reptiles. Church, that is the natural heart of man left to itself, is to run from the creator and actually go so as far as to hate all that God and righteousness and holiness is about. Jesus goes on to say in his passage, he goes, look, even miracles don't change the human heart. You ever think like that sometimes? You ever think like, man, if Jesus would just like show up and do something like awesome, you know, like that would just, that would convince everybody. Can I, can I tell you something? Jesus already did that, right? He already showed up and he did some really awesome things that we have recorded for us, right? And there were men that recorded this that were willing to die for these stories. Like there were people saying, if you denounce these stories, we'll let you go. No, no, I'm gonna die because I know it's true. He already showed up and did some awesome things, and still people didn't believe. Jesus said this very thing in John chapter 15. He says, if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. In other words, in these Pharisees that are about to put Jesus to death, they're guilty. They're even more so guilty because of the miracles I've done. Just revealed the hardness of their heart. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet guess what? They still hate me, and they hate my father. That's some strong language, isn't it, church? That's some strong language about the nature of the human heart. Now, I want to be clear because I'm talking about the world here this morning, and I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to kind of take a little rabbit trail. I want to define for you what the world is, scripturally, biblically speaking, so we don't kind of personalize it to people, okay? It's more of a concept. It's more of what affects our hearts and our minds and our thinking. But I also want to be clear, you know, I think a lot of times as Christians, we think we become followers of Jesus Christ, and what we're supposed to do is kind of pull out of the world and kind of be completely separated from the world, okay, and, and, and I like the word, use the word cloister, you know, like we kind of cloister up, and so that's not the role of a believer. The role of the believer is to influence the world to make Jesus famous, okay? Our, the reason you're here, the reason when you became a Christian, the reason God just didn't say, now you're a Christian, that's all I have for you, I'm going to take you to heaven. The reason you're still here is to influence the world to make Jesus famous, all right? In fact, John, Jesus said so much in John chapter 17. I don't want to give too much away about where we're going, okay? But I want you to see this, John chapter 17. Jesus continues with this concept of the world. He says, I have given them your word. He's talking about, now remember, this is his final sermon with these 11 disciples between the Last Supper and Jesus' crucifixion. So he's wrapping up with his disciples. This is a prayer, okay? And he says, he's praying to his heavenly father. He says, I've given them your word, father. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. 
They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as, I sent, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the what church world. Like we're to be in the world, but not of the world. There's a difference. We're not called to cloister up. We're not called, I always say Christians can be like a pile of manure, right? Like, like it's really great if you're growing a garden and you spread that manure all over the place and, you know, it really makes it healthy. But man, you leave a Christian cloistered up and piled up for a while, after a while in the manure pile, whew. Like we can get like this if all we do is sit around with one another. Now, do we sit around with one another? Of course we do, okay? Why do we sit, why do we gather corporately? Why do we, why do we encourage you to be in small groups? We do that, and I'm gonna come back to this a little bit in here and later in the sermon. We do that because I want your mind to be influenced with the truth of God's word so that then you can go out into the world and influence the world around you. Does that make sense, church? And we have to be really, I know it, um, you know, I've been a Christian now for a long, long time, and one of the challenges as you, as you walk with Christ for a long time and you, you get connected to your church and you should be connected to your local community, but one of the challenges of that is, is you, you don't even have any friends that don't go to church anywhere, right? Like, that's all you have. You don't even have any unbelieving friends. You don't have anybody you're building relationships into, hoping and praying to influence. That's why I have, I think it's in, it's in the chair in front of you, I have a, what I call a Reach 3 card. I think we should all be praying for three people that don't, to our knowledge, don't have a church. So we can say, God, I, you know, that I want to influence others for the name and fame of Christ. And so, you know, we are called, we're not called to cloister. We are called to be holy or called to be different. We're called to set apart, to be set apart to make a difference, to bring glory to God and glory to his son, Jesus Christ. Now, let's take a minute and, and, and I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here this morning and discuss the biblical, so you have a biblical understanding of, of the world. Now, I actually taught on this not that long ago and I felt like it was worth revisiting because it's that important, I think, for our mind and for our heart and for our thinking. John chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus says this, the world, uh, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. So in other words, Jesus says, you know, you're still in this world, but you don't belong to it. So let's, let me be clear about some of the things we, we as followers of Christ, we no longer belong to. All right, because I've challenged you to go out and make a difference to befriend other people. Okay, so what does it mean to no longer belong to the world? So what we're going to do, I, I want to look at First John. So if you're kind of new to your scriptures, uh, John the apostle wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote three letters towards the back end of your Bible. Okay, and so in First John, he actually unpacks this idea of the world and its influences. So I want to talk briefly about the offerings of the world according to John the apostle. Okay, or John the disciple. All right, so First John chapter two verse 15, John says this. He says, don't love the world nor the things it offers you. So let's talk about the offerings of the world. What does it offer us, all right? For when you love the world, you do not have the love of what in your heart, church? You don't have what? The love of the what? The Father. That's pretty black and white, right? I mean, like, if your heart is engaged with these things that John is about to lay out for us, these are the offerings of the world. And if your heart is engaged, if they have captured your heart, that means your heart is not captured by your heavenly father and worship to him. So we have to guard against these things. And so he says, for the world offers only, ready? Craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and pride in our possessions. It's the offerings of the world, church. I, um, 
I always say the world is really easy to define for, my, for me, okay? In my mind's eyes, the world's really, it's a great illustration. It's very easy to illustrate. The world is like the ice cream truck that comes through your neighborhood for kids, right? Um, it turns around the corner. It's got the lights. It's got the pretty music, right? And, and your kids, as soon as they hear it, whether they come running, oh, man, the ice cream truck. You know, I was, a, I was assistant coach on my son's baseball team this year, and um, we, we were in the middle of a state-level tournament. These are 13- and 14-year-old boys, okay? And the ice cream truck comes and parks in the parking lot, right? And these 13 are like, the ice cream truck! You know, I'm like, don't you guys ever outgrow it? Like, we're playing a high-level baseball game, you know? And focus on what we're doing. And, and uh, you know, and, and they never outgrow it. But, but, but as parents, you see the, if you're like me, you see the ice cream truck different, right? When your kids come running, I gotta go get me an ice cream truck. You realize as you make your way to this ice cream truck that it's really just a painted up 70s van with overpriced ice cream, right? Like that's all it really is. And, and you walk up and you spend $5 on a rocket pop and you're like, I can buy two gallons of ice cream at the store, you know, for, for the price of the rocket pop. And you like, you know, son, daughter, you just, this is a waste, right? And then you do it anyway, because they're so doggone cute. But um, it's a waste, and the sad truth is, church, that we have to go, because we do the same thing with the offerings of the world, if we're not careful. And I'm going to get to why it's so sad in a minute, but man, we have to be really careful in our heart and in with our mind, and we have to understand what it is, the offerings of the world that we need to stand up against and oppose. So John says this, the first thing is physical pleasure. You have to be careful that that's not your only pursuit. Physical pleasure, I'm going to pursue whatever makes me happy. I'm going to be consumed with pleasing me. I'm going to be consumed with being comfortable, soft, safe, and easy for my life, right? Sounds a little bit like the American dream, doesn't it? I mean, we have, we have to, is the American dream all bad? No. But do we have to be cautious and careful that our only goal in life is not to get through safe, soft, easy, and comfortable? We have to be real careful with that. We have to be real careful that our, our pursuit is ease and physical pleasure. John goes on to say, it's the craving of everything that we see, right? What's that sound like? Sounds to me like the marketing industry, right? Got, look at this. Check this out. Check this out. In Genesis chapter 3, the very first sin that as it enters the human race has everything to do with sight. Got to have that, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was what, church? His beauty. Man, that's nice, right? That's not, whoo-hee, that's nice. Right? I do that all the time, right? Everybody's got their thing. Maybe for you it's a house or a couch or furniture or clothing or fitness or car, boat. Right? Certain cars I see, I'm like, whoo that looked good wrapped around me. Mm, right? It's everything we see, right? We have to be really, we have to guard our hearts and our minds from the offerings of the world. In fact, one of, one of the lies of pornography, okay? One of the lies of pornography is that image on that screen is, is only there for you, right? And that image on the screen is never going to call you to die to yourself, it's never going to call you to put someone else's needs above your own needs. And it's all-consuming. Oh, and one more thing. That image on the screen, it's never really going to satisfy. It's never going to satisfy. 
in the way a relationship with another person does. It's one of the lies of pornography, the craving in the eyes. Number three, offerings of the world, the pride in, pride in our achievements. Pride in our achievements, man. Some of you in this room, man, you're driven to achieve, you're driven to achieve, you're driven to achieve, you're driven to achieve. And, and, and with each achievement, um, you're hopeful that people will take notice. Can, by the way, this next, this, this, uh, this by the way here, this fits for this one and the next one, which is pride in our possessions, all right? But this fits for both of these. Like, um, can I just tell you that when you sacrifice to achieve or you sacrifice to get a bunch of stuff like people aren't that impressed, really. And here's why. Most of us are way too self-consumed to think about you, right? Did you ever notice? So, like, when you get, you've made a huge sacrifice, you know, you're working your tail off, you got the new car or whatever, and you show it to me, I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to go, man, that's, that's an awesome car. And then I'm going to walk away and forget about your car. You want to know why? I'm way consumed with me to worry about you, you know? So, like, I got on my own problems and worry about your car, and so, you, I know, if you're running around thinking, man, they're going to be so-and-so and such-and-such. It's going to be so impressed when I make this, achieve that, buy this. Like, we don't care that much. You know, I hate to be a disappointment to you. Some of y'all are laughing because you know it's true, right? You know it's true. Some of you in this room, you're, you're sacrificing stuff that really matters, like your family and spirituality to achieve something that doesn't last. To achieve something, the rest of us go, that's, that's cool. And then we're going to go on with our lives. And John says, man, we have to be very careful because this is the offerings of the world, the pride in our achievements. There's nothing wrong if God blesses you with achievements, but we have to understand even that is a blessing of the Lord, right? That there, we don't have pride in our achievements and pride in our stuff, pride in our possessions, okay? Again, I'm not... I'm not condemning stuff, right? Um, but we have to be aware of a subtle shift in our thinking where this, we move from we're, we have stuff, the stuff has us, right? And, um, man, I can do this. I, it, we have to be careful, right? And so the world, as defined by the Apostle John in this context, is not people, Okay, it's not individuals, it's, it's influences to our perspective and to our thinking. The world can, can blind us to the truth. The world uh, is what makes us crave things that are not of God. The world is what makes us see things that are not from God's perspective. The world tells us things like, you know what, you, you'd be happier with another spouse. Right? That's, what, that's what the world, it influences our mind. He or she's not making you happy. You need to go find one that makes you happy. The world is what tells us when you're dating someone, like, hey, you know, you guys are committed to each other. Just go ahead and be intimate, physically intimate together. You know, it's the opposite of what God's word says, what the truth tells us. The world's, the world's thinking and influences kind of stuff says, you know, well, you might as well work late anyway because by the time you get home, nobody's going to meet your needs, Right? It's about you. The world's going to tell you, don't be gen Give your money away. In this environment? Like, you better make sure you're saving X amount for this and for that and for all the needs, right? That's crazy. That's what the world will tell you. 
The world's going to tell you that more stuff and more stuff will make you happy. It will. Billions and billions of dollars is spent on marketing trying to tell you that. So I'm going to let you in on a little truth. All right, here's a little truth. More stuff will not make you happy, right? It just becomes stuff, right? It just becomes stuff. And we all only have 24 hours in a day, of which we spend a third of it, hopefully, resting. Okay, so now we all have the same amount of hours. So the more you add one more stuff to your life, that means something else that you purchased in the past has to go because you only have so much time to spend with the stuff. Isn't that right? We have to be cautious, okay? And so the world asks this man, take your eyes off God, take your eyes off spiritual things, place your eyes on temporal things, okay? And turns us into really self-centered people, which is the, the biggest point I think that John makes about the world here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, is the world is temporal. I mean, everything around us is fading away. None of it lasts. It's the second law of thermodynamics, right? That everything's breaking down and not getting better. So we have to be cautious that we're not just simply investing our lives in something that won't last. First John chapter 2, verse 17 says, And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's a great little story in Luke chapter 12. I'm not going to read the whole story, but uh, it's about a story about a farmer, right? And this farmer plants a crop one year, and the story says that he has a bumper crop. Man, he, has so, he harvests so much, more than he anticipated, that he goes, you know what? I've got so much here that what I need to do, and, and by the way, the story's clear. Like, he had plenty already, right? And he says, what I really need to do is, is I need to tear down my barns, and I need to build bigger barns so I can house this bumper crop, and then I can rest for a while and I can eat, drink, and be merry, right? And Jesus ends the story with this in Luke chapter 12, verse 21. Yes, you, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You know why I said that? The verse before that says, you fool, this night your life is required of you. This night, the night you're, this night, you're going to stand before the God of the universe and in your bigger barns and all your stuff and all the investing and things that don't last don't matter. Church, I'm not saying stuff's bad. I'm saying we have to make sure it doesn't have a hold on our lives. We have to temper the American dream with spiritual realities and the truths of God's word. And so Jesus here gives us some super encouraging words. And, and I'm, I'm going to kind of end this sermon here and, um, and pick up next week, okay? Uh, but he gives us some really encouraging words. So let's come back to John chapter 15, verse 26. In John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says this. And he says, he's been talking about the world, how the world hate them, disciples, because they hated um, Jesus, I give, I've given you some uh, framework of the world, what the offerings of the world are. And so Jesus says this. He says, but I will send you an advocate, the spirit of what, church? Truth. Okay? And this is, by the way, and we're going to unpack this further next week, but this is one of the works of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us into the truth. It's not going to lead us into life. You ever hung around with someone that says, oh, the, uh, God's, God told me to do this. Spirit told me to do this. And you, you look to a passage of Scripture and you say, no, the Scripture says quite the opposite. Then that's not the spirit of truth, 
okay? The Holy Spirit's not gonna lead us into a lie. And so the Holy Spirit brings truth to our hearts and to our minds, all right? That's why we're, we're uh, I know Pastor Joey's really cautious of the songs that we sing. We don't just pick any old song. We wanna make sure that the songs that we sing are accurate about the truths of God because you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And one of the freedoms that the truth gives us is to be sure that our minds and our hearts are not captured with the offerings of the world because church, I don't want you to go out of here and live your life for something that's temporal. I want you to live your life for something that will last. And the Holy Spirit says, you gotta build your heart and you gotta build your life on truth. And so the Holy Spirit brings truth to mind. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth of God's word. And we're gonna unpack this next week. But, you know, at Coastal, you know, we have a vision statement. Our vision is to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that in three very important ways. One, we want you to connect by being a part of corporate worship. Why do we do that? Because we want you to gather, we want to sing truths to God and about God. We want to unpack the word of God so that the truths influence your heart and mind so that, uh, so that you're pushing back against the cravings of the world. In some ways, this, this may be the only place in your week where that's happening. I hope not, but that, that may be the case for some of you. Sometimes the, the reason we come in here and our burden is so heavy is because we war, you know, we're, we're in the world and, and I'm in the world and you're in the world. We're in it all day and it's, 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 it becomes a quagmire in our hearts and our thinkings. And we come in here and there's a, like a lightness about it. And the reason is we're unpacking the truth of God. And we're like, oh man, I can rest in the character of God. He's sovereign, right? And then we want you to develop as an authentic follower of Christ by grow. We want you to connect by being in corporate worship. We want you to be in a small group ministry. And a small group ministry is a place where you're rubbing shoulders with other believers. You're unpacking the truths of God and you're doing it together. And you have other people that have the right to speak into your life and say, you know what? Um, you may be going down the wrong path on that, okay? And, and so it's doing life in Christian community with people that are sharpening you. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another to sharpen you to be more like Christ. And then we want you not just to close okay, corporate worship and small group, but we want you to serve. We want you to serve in a ministry and a mission of Coastal Community Church, okay? Why is that? Because when you serve others, suddenly your worries and your needs become strangely dim, all right? When you put others' needs above your own. At the end of the service today, I'm going to show you guys um, a video of the team that just came back from New Mexico, and uh, and we're over the course of the summer, we're going to each you have to eat, we're sending out three missions teams. They all come back. We're going to show you a video of their trip, okay? And and a couple of weeks, we're about to send a team off to Honduras, okay? And and I can tell you something about those teams, right? Here's what I can tell you: I can guarantee you, when they came back from their trip, they didn't think, you know what? I need to purchase more stuff. Right, I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you, those of you who served at the food ministry yesterday didn't come home and said, man, let's, let's rush out and buy some more things because I need more things, right? Because when you serve others, you, you, for a few moments, you take your little world off and you serve others, you realize, man, I, I don't really need more stuff. What I probably need to do is figure out a way to give some stuff away. I probably need to figure out a way to bless others. And so these things that we do at Coastal, the connect, grow, and serve, like, like they're the antidote to the world. And the world's not going to be naturally inclined to the things of God, okay? And so we want, we want you to put you in a position 
to have the truth of God's word sink into your heart, change your behavior so that you influence the world for the name and fame of Jesus Christ. A couple weeks, I'm, um, um, I'm going on a family vacation, and uh, we do it every year. My, we go to uh, the beach with my family. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I find that, and I'm just kind of sharing a little testimony. Maybe you find this to be true, too. Like, one of the things I have to be careful on when I'm at vacation um, is one of, like, the little dream in my heart, little American dream thing in my heart. Like, I would love to own property on the water, you know? Like, that's always just been intriguing to me. And so one of the things I have to be careful of when I go on vacation, vacation's a good thing, by the way. You know, it's like I'm not preaching against all the things that we do because the Bible talks about rest, okay? And there's a place for Sabbathing and resting so that we can come back and serve well and give of ourselves. And, and, and uh, one of the things I have to be careful of when I'm on vacation is I get on the, near these waterfront homes and I start, um, I'll just say it, like, I have to be careful not to covet, right? I'll just call it what it is, like, like, man, that'd be nice, right? And then, if I, if I let my mind go far enough, um, some of you are not, so maybe some of you do this too, right? And so, if my mind goes far enough, I start to have a little pity party, all right? Like, I'll, I'm never going doggone it, how many special offerings am I going to have to take up get one of them, you know, like, type thing. And um, You ever do that? Can I tell you what that is? That's sin. Because I have a great house. I've, you can tell I've never missed a meal, nor have my kids. God has blessed my socks off. And if I'm understanding the scriptures correctly, like he's going to take care of everything from beginning to end, you know? And, and so I have to be, like, even on vacation, you know, let your guard down kind of thing. Like, you can let your guard down, you know, and, but you've got to have your spiritual guard up. Like, this, this battle with the world and its influence, like, it's day-to-day. -day. It's moment-by-moment. Moment. It's making sure that our minds are captured with the gospel of Christ. So we understand we've been bought with a price, and so I'm not just allowed to think or feel or do whatever I want to do. Every moment of my day is an opportunity to worship Christ. Every moment of my day is a, is a battle, and I always say this. Followers of Christ, as Jesus, we have three enemies. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we have to be careful that all three of them are not consuming our hearts and minds and thoughts. And that we push back against the things of the world and say, you know what, God, you've given me plenty and what I have, I'm going to use to bring glory to Christ. Church, I, I just want to make sure that our minds are saturated with the truths of God's word so that the Holy Spirit can use that truth to mold us and shape us and make sure that the world does not have a hold on our lives. Let me ask you something before I close with prayer. Is there any area of your life this morning in your thinking, in your heart, and in your mind that you would go, you know what? The world has a hold on me there. Physical pleasure, the craving of what we see. Pride in my achievements and pride in my stuff. If that's the case, I would encourage you, repent of your sin and trust in Christ anew this morning. It's the message of the gospel. It never changes. It's the same for believer and unbeliever.
tear down my idols of my heart and worship Christ. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for the places that have been revealed to us this morning where our hearts and our minds are engaged with the world. And God, that's a burden, actually. That's a burden. That, um, that's an evil mistress, God. That's, that's something that doesn't satisfy. Because if you attain what you think will bring you happiness, it'll just be one more thing. In fact, most of us in this room are followers of Christ because we realize that one day. But God, we also realize we still have to, to do battle with the enemies of our faith. And so, God, forgive us when we let the world creep in. Thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We turn from our sin. We trust in him anew this morning because we know the truth, and the truth sets us free. And so, God, we have this short span called life where we, we want our lives to be poured out as an offering of praise and worship to bring glory to you in all things. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, I want to thank you for being here. I want you to know we're not after your money. Uh, this offering is just one of the ways we worship God at Coastal Community Church. What we'd love to have from you as a guest, uh, if you just fill out that tear off on the side of your bulletin, uh, we just want to send you a thank you card for coming. That's all we're going to do with that. We'll do something a little bit different during the offertory this morning before the ushers come. I'm going to show you a video uh, of our New Mexico missions trip. Uh, you guys were part of sending them, okay? So we make sure that 10 cents of every dollar, we don't do a lot of extra fundraisers at Coastal. Uh, we make sure 10 cents of every dollar that you donate goes directly to support people and things and missions that don't directly affect this ministry here at Coastal Community Church. So, so you guys were a part of sending this team to New Mexico. And uh, here's just a small taste of their ministry. If you have more questions, you're like, man, I might want to go to New Mexico next year. You can see uh, somebody out there at the missions kiosk, and they'd love to tell you more about it. New Mexico trip.
you guys stand with us?